Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Gormley here, and we are back on track, and I'm pointing at the camera because we're talking relic reveals. We got Mary Magdalene. That's right, Mary Magdalene, one of the ancients. She is here to be a witness to the glory and resurrection of Jesus Christ for us here in Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. Can't wait to be able to venerate this relic. I don't even, I don't even know how we got this relic. It's so amazing. Having ancients, right? The ancients. That's what we call them around in my condo, right? The ancients, the people who were apostles with Christ at that time, right? Amazing. We got St. Simon and St. Jude. We have others, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Question mark. But Mary Magdalene. Let's talk about Mary Magdalene. We got two things to do when it comes to Mary Magdalene. We got to clear up some cobwebs in the church's uh, attic here, and then we got to clarify the role that she served in the early church. So number one, let's just talk about Mary Magdalene from like the 50,000 foot view. Mary Magdalene is the woman whose name is mentioned more than any other woman in the New Testament. That's pretty epic. Yes, even more than Mary, the mother of God. Now, of all of the apostles, she's mentioned more than almost all of them, with the exception of people like Peter, John, and James. So that's already pretty significant. She was there at his crucifixion. We know from the gospel accounts that she followed him often, and she was there at the burial. And of course, she was the first person to witness the resurrected Jesus Christ. Her story is fascinating because it doesn't really end there. As her story gets poured into the uh, early church around 591-ish, she got Pope Gregory the Great, one of my homeboys. He delivered a sermon that changed the trajectory of the reputation of Mary Magdalene. So what he did was he took a couple Marys. See, what you need to understand is the name Miriam or Mary was the most popular name in the first century, right? So all of these Jewish women had the name Mary, and we see them over and over again whenever you read the New Testament, especially around those crucifixion scenes when it describes the women at the foot of the cross. So you have Mary of Bethany, whose sister was uh, Martha and whose brother was Lazarus. Pope Gregory kind of made her also Mary Magdalene. Then you have a woman who had seven demons cast out of her in Luke 8. Plot twist. That was Mary Magdalene. But then you also have an unnamed woman who uh, was a prostitute, an adulteress, who bathed Christ's feet in her tears and washed it with her hair, dried it with her hair. Uh, that woman was also named Mary Magdalene. Basically, if you were an unnamed woman of ill repute, you were Mary Magdalene. And all of these kind of traditions folded in, and it was pretty powerful in the sermon, if you've ever read it. I read it once back in the day in grad school. But he gave this masterful sermon of relating the seven demons of Mary Magdalene to the seven deadly sins. And if if you can kind of go along with it, it is incredible. But unfortunately, he had blended, that later scholarship would reveal, he had blended multiple different characters into Mary Magdalene. Now, what do we know about her? Well, the answer is very, very little. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to understand what that means as a woman in the first century. Jewish rabbis typically had 10 to 12 followers or disciples that they would then train in their understanding and interpretation of the Torah, the law of Moses. And it's important because only those people could be men. So a rabbi had to somehow financially support these young men who were being trained in the rabbinical arts of study and interpretation, reading and writing, scribes and all of this stuff. And what they would do is that's how the schools of thought would get passed down from generation to generation. Well, no rabbi had female followers 
until Christ, right? So it's funny that Mary of Bethany, Mary and Martha, were disciples of Jesus, but they didn't follow him throughout uh, Palestine. They remained in Bethany. So did Lazarus. In fact, Jesus set up multiple bases that would become churches after the resurrection all throughout Israel, all throughout the land that would be known as Israel, right? All over the place, up north, down south. And he had places to go that were like home bases of operation from which he would send forth his apostles to begin the mission of gathering together God's people. Well, Mary Magdalene did not belong in that group. She was in the group with Salome and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. She was a part of the traveling band of women. In fact, I think it's in Mark's gospel where it says that these were the women who took care of the needs of Jesus during his ministry. So Mary Magdalene was at a ground floor uh, view of Christ doing his missionary work in the days before the crucifixion. She was there at the foot of the cross for the crucifixion. She gazed upon her master, the very person who delivered her from seven demons. Those might mean ailments, mental illnesses, whatever it is. She saw her deliverer, her savior, and she was at the foot of the cross with the other women. Then she accompanied these women to the burial. And then she comes back after the Sabbath. And remember the Hebrew Sabbath is on Saturday. So she comes just before dawn on Sunday. And what does she see? an empty tomb. And there she runs up to the gardener and begs him, where did you take his body? And this is the fascinating thing. Jesus turns and as she's pleading with him, he says her name, Mary. And all of a sudden it was like scales had fallen from her eyes and she realizes who in her great grief and haste she's talking to, this is my Lord and Savior. And she clings on to him, calling her my Rabboni, our teacher. And she grabs onto him and he says, don't hold on to me. Go to your brethren and tell them that I've risen. Tell them what you saw. And this is her wonderful title, Mary Magdalene, the woman who had seven demons, the woman with a past, the woman that Gregory kind of blended a lot of reputations into. But this woman who had a severe past became, and her title in the church is, the apostle to the apostles, right? The only title that's above that probably is mother of God. And you pretty much max out at those levels, right? So here is the first woman to proclaim the gospel that Jesus is Lord and that he has risen indeed from the dead to the apostles who would take this to the end of the earth. Now, after this time period, we lose all track historically of Mary Magdalene. Some say she went to Turkey, accompanied John, modern-day Turkey, accompanied John into Ephesus area with Mary, the mother of Christ. Some say, and this is uh, probably the most potent um, idea out there, that she actually went to France. She landed on the coast of France. Some say she was shipwrecked. And there she lived a contemplative life in solitude in a cave. And in fact, there's a lot of French Catholicism down there that kind of glorifies Mary Magdalene. Now, we all know what happened as history would go on. People would make absurd stories about Mary Magdalene based on documents that were about 100 to 250 years later, the Gnostic Gospels that said Mary Magdalene and Jesus were actually uh, romantically inclined, if you will. Uh, they would say that basically she was the head of the church and later writers said, nope, it was Peter, patriarchy, we are a male-dominated church. All of that is clearly shenanigans born from the Gospel of Mary Magdalene and other heretical books that are just just awful. I had to read, Jay, I had to read them in college. They were terrible, yet they become the plot of the Da Vinci Code. Yes. Whatever. Come on, Tom Hanks. Come on, Tom Hanks. We thought better of you, Tommy. We thought better of you.
Anywho, what is the lesson we can learn from the life of Mary Magdalene? Number one, your past does not outweigh God's plans for your future. It doesn't matter if you have seven demons, one demon, if you're an addict, if you're a sinner, if you struggle with mental illness, if you have physical illnesses, Jesus Christ is your savior. He loves you. He is in love with you and he is pursuing you. And that dovetails into the second point. And I didn't know this until one day I'm watching my biblical professor, Dr. John Bergsma, literally cry in class as he's recounting Jesus interacting with Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20. Why? Because right before we read that, we read my favorite book of the Bible, which is the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, the Canticle of Canticles, many names. But in that, um, in that canticle, there's this really weird part about a woman and her bridegroom. They're in love. It's like honeymoon night or something like that. And she says, I awoke in search of my beloved. And I go all about the town and everyone, like the city guards are like yelling at me and all this stuff. And I'm looking for him whom I love. And then behold, I find him and I lay hold of him and I refuse to let him go. And Dr. Bergsma did this amazing thing where he connected the Song of Solomon to Mary Magdalene, and he laid it out. It was almost like a word-for-word uh, matching of her longing for her Lord and Savior the way the bride longed for the bridegroom. And that's the other lesson that we need to take in. Do you love Jesus, or are you just dating him, right? Do you have a, a relationship with Christ where you can put him at arm's length whenever it's convenient for you and your schedule, like a couple dating might, right? Or are you espoused? Are you married? Are you committed to Christ? That's what we want to invite you into. We want you to have a living, vital relationship with Jesus Christ. How personal can you get? When Christ says that he loves us, he wants us to be one with him the way the Father and Christ are one. This is the union that God desires with you, for you, for all of us forever. Mary Magdalene was one of the first people to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, as we continue and almost draw to an end of our pilgrimage to Our Lady of the Angels Chapel, as we see these beautiful 27 relics, 26 of which are saints, as we look at this and we see this, we have to remember why all of this exists. And just as St. Paul said, Mary Magdalene can echo, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Brothers and sisters, are you in love with your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on track. This video was supposed to go out last week, but Jay had to get COVID, boo. But he's fine. He's throwing a table right now. He's so mad. He's so mad right now. But we are going to record the next video, and they're going to be released back to back, and then we are back on track. Stay tuned, brothers and sisters. The Relic Reveal continues. Mm -hmm.